everybody, and welcome to Good Luck High Five, episode 367. That's right. You're listening to a podcast that's for you if you play Magic the Gathering, whether you have COVID or you don't. Oh, no. Megan, what's going on? I thought we were going to be back to being in person this week. Nope, Maria, not yet. Three and a half years in, the COVID, she got me. She had she had her little eyes set on me, and she finally took me down. Well, you know, you dodged a bullet enough times that yeah. truly she was she was waiting. Exactly. She, you know, she had a lot of time to prepare, a lot of time to hone her skill, a lot of time to just to just get me. And get me good. How are you feeling though? I'm I'm actually feeling pretty okay. Um, I got Paxlovid. Um, you know, highly recommend for not having symptoms. Highly unrecommend if you don't like your mouth to taste like garbage. <laughs> it makes your mouth taste like garbage? It tastes like garbage in your mouth, just randomly. You wake up in the middle of the night and you're like, wow, my mouth sure tastes like garbage. Um, I have lemon <laughs> drops with me. So at some point during this podcast, I might just be eating lemon drops because it is one of the few things that makes the garbage mouth go away. I would describe it to someone as as kind of like having tinnitus or tinnitus, but like in your mouth. Like if a high pitched sound was a taste, and then that taste was just always present in your mouth. That sounds horrifying. Yeah, it's terrible. It's a bad time. <laughs> well, on behalf of all the listeners, uh, thank you for coming and recording with us. Anyway, through your mouth tinnitus yeah. and through your dumpster tasting tongue. Yeah, uh, no problem. <laughs> You know, from my dumpster mouth to your dumpster ears. <laughs> well, that's the bad news Sorry. of this episode, everybody. <laughs> the good news is uh, that despite everything, I'm one of your hosts, Maria. And I'm another one of your hosts, Megan. And on today's episode, we've got a real corker for you, uh, as I think people said at one time in history. <laughs> yeah, definitely. At some time in history. And uh, we're going to talk to you, speaking of history, we're going to talk to you about the history of Commander, uh, which I think is going to be very, very cool. We've dived into the history of magic itself on this podcast before, and it's one of our more popular episodes. And so we thought, why don't we do the history of Commander, the most popular format? And for that, we're going to bring in an expert in the form of none other than Judge Rob. Everyone's favorite expert. That's right. You I know mean, he's my favorite expert. He's top tier expert. I, I would believe Rob with just about anything that he said. If he was like, uh, I'm a doctor, I'm going to diagnose your medical condition. I'd be like, yeah, Rob's probably right. <laughs> yeah, that, seems, that feels correct. Okay. That seems legit. Yeah, sure. Go for it. Um, yeah, so we're going to talk all about that. Uh, I'm very excited because Rob was actually in on the ground floor of Commander. And when I say that, like, I really do mean that. He was one of the first people to ever play it and to talk about it. Um, so cool. it'll be really interesting to get a history from the horse's mouth or the judge's mouth, as it were, this week. Uh, but before yeah. we dive into our history, we have some very, very important people to say thank you to. Yes, thank you so much to all of the patrons of the show, but specifically to our new patrons. Thank you so much to new patron Benj. Um, Benj, your your uh, donation is helping me get on the mend. Men all right, mend. I get it. I get it. You, yeah, we got there. That yeah, one gets you're there. on the mend. I'm sick. Yeah. <laughs> and thank you so much to Ollie. Thank you to new patron Ollie. Yay, thank you so much, Ollie. What's your pun for Ollie? Ollie, golly, you're great. <laughs> good, Ollie, wow. you're great. Barely. That two, one's like, that one really is good top puns. tier. That one's. Yeah, those are great. Those are yeah. great. Thank you so much, Bench and Ollie, for becoming new members or increasing your pledge. You can get a special shout out and a thank you on this episode. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash GLHF magic and become a member. You get access to our amazing community discord that we use all the time. Uh, the best community in the biz is what I say. But most importantly, you get to know that you're supporting content creators that you love. And I think that's extra important right now in magic because we've just had a couple of big content creation sites stop publishing some uh, content. Um, so like 
you know what I'm saying? Like, go out there, support the things that you love, or else, like, they might not be there or tomorrow. You know what die. I mean? <laughs> like plants, like plants, they need your support. They're yes, not. That is. They're very not true. goats. Magic content is not a goat. Um, although I, although I love goats. Um, are you saying you like know, goats okay. are self-sufficient? That's why. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Like I picked a goat okay. as the most self-sufficient animal. Like it's like way <laughs> up there, right? I mean, I, I, I mountain goats seem pretty self-sufficient. They can climb saying, pretty like, crazy goats places. Are, goats are way up there, but magic content is like a house plant. It needs help. We would love for you to help keep our lovely plant growing uh, through here the month of December. Patreon.com slash GLH of Magic. If you're like, I want to get them a present for the end of the year, this would be a fabulous gift to get us. It would just warm our hearts like sipping a nice hot cocoa with a candy cane melted into it. Um, even though I haven't had that for like a thousand years, it sounds good right now. So get an episode dedicated to you next time by becoming a patron. Um, we also want to say a big thank you to Card Kingdom. Uh, you can check them out at cardkingdom.com slash GLHF. They've got everything you need to get your holiday shopping done on time, um, including a gift guide. That's right. If you, like me, never remember to holiday shop until, you know, like pretty close to the holidays... <laughs> <laughs> they can they can help you out. They have such quick shipping. You're going to be all right. You will get that gift in time. Yeah. And if you simply cannot think of something cool that you want to buy the Magic Play in your life, they've broken down their holiday shopping list into various types of players. They've got stuff for commander players. They've got stuff for beginner players. They've got stuff for people who like shiny, shiny things, um, constructed players in your life. They've got it all um, easily laid out there for you on the blog section of their website. So go and check them out at cardkingdom.com slash GLHF. Let's get Judge Robin here. What do you say? All right, everybody, we have Judge Rob here, our very special guest, back on the show. Hi, Rob, how are you doing? Doing pretty well. It's been a busy, fun couple of weeks. I just had judged a a nerd rage down in Madison. We gave away $10,000 to the modern players and $5,000 to the pioneer players. Wow. So modern is more valuable than pioneer. Is that what you're saying? Well, it was modern was the Saturday event. It alternates. Sometimes it's one, sometimes it's the other. Okay, okay, okay. So no dig at them. (laughs) I mean, a little bit of a dig. We had more modern players as well. But that's also a product of how much money we gave away. We got people. there. So. We got there. Well, Rob, we've we've asked you on the show um, to talk about a very important topic, which is Commander. It yeah. is the most popular way right now to play Magic the yep. Gathering. And this was not the case even how many years ago? Five years ago? Three years ago. I would say that 2019 was like – 2020 was the transition point, I would say. Sure. So it's it's new. It's the most popular. It has exploded onto the yes. scene. It feels like literally everybody and their mom and their dad yes. and their grandma are playing Commander. Yes. The Command Zone at Magic Cons has – we filled 1,000 seats at Minneapolis and we filled 750 at Vegas. Wow. That's yeah. incredible. It, just everybody playing, having fun, playing silly decks, playing good decks, playing bad decks, just everybody having a great time. I have to ask. That's so cute. It's very cute. And Rob, what do you think is the reason for the the explosion of the popularity of this format? Uh, So Wizards of the Coast has been printing a bunch of good precons over time. So there's been a a genuine, a genuine like support from Wizards of the Coast for it. It it scratches an itch that competitive play doesn't in that you get to sit down, you get to have a commander, a bunch of random expressive cards. And because it's multiplayer if you don't win 50% of your matches, you don't feel like a failure. You're like, there's four people at this table. If I win 25%, I'm doing good. <laughs> and so winning is not as big of a deal. It's important. You aim for it. But it's it's closer to a self-expression board game than Magic Tournament play, which is closer to a – it's closer to a professional sport in terms of like mindset or, or, or a grindy game like League of Legends. Sure. That makes sense. You know – I had never thought about the fact that, like, if you win one quarter of your commander matches, you're like, I'm doing great. Yeah. If you win a third of all games that you play in commander, you're a very good player. Hey, man, if I won a quarter of life, I would feel like I was killing it. Yes. (laughs) So that's what I'm going to compare it to. And what you're going to do today, Rob, is kind of walk us through the history of this format. So we've yeah. arrived here at the most popular way to play Magic. It's exploding. Yep. I don't see any, any end in sight. Uh, so we're going to go back and explain how in the heck this happened. Yeah. 
So we're going to start with the prehistory of Commander. We're going to start Commander before Commander. Elder Dragon Legend uh-huh. Wars. Ooh, that's uh, was, so, that was its first yes. name? Well, sort of. It was a pre, it was a pre-Commander Commander format. They're, the Duelist and Inquest were magazines back in the 90s for Magic, and they would print random stuff. <laughs> in the, just it, Inquest would have, you know... You know, tribal showdowns between its writers and make up fake cards. Uh, Duelist was the official one, so it was a little more uh, straight laced than Inquest. I read Inquest more, but the Duelist was good. I was going to ask, did you read these? Okay, I, I read right. a lot of Inquest when I when in the nineties. It was the way to get magic content. Right? I miss the days of having to open up a magazine to yeah. find out what was what. I did. I didn't play Magic back then, but I did for like video game cheats yeah. and all that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. It's the same as I was going to say. Yeah. I was just talking to someone who we were talking about Link's Awakening, like mm-hmm. back in the Game Boy day of Link's Awakening. If you got stuck, man, nothing to do. You got to go out and buy a magazine. Oh, man, yep. I love that. I love that. Yep. And the like I read I read Game Pro and Game Informer and Inquest and a little bit of Duelist. And so you got all this weird and wacky stuff and they would print random formats. Just there was there was a magic board game that was illustrated by Phil Foglio in one of the inquests. And there, there were all sorts of these things. And Elder Dragon Legend War was in Duelist like six. It was a very early Duelist. And it ran down a format that was 100 card singleton. It was recognizable as, <laughs> as a precursor to Commander. Sure. And it was a 100 card singleton format. And you had a fixed number of basic lands. And you had a fixed number of creatures and non-creature spells. They all had to be Highlander except basics. And you, it was suggested that you have a maximum summed power and toughness for the creatures in your deck. Wow. And that you clear this with everybody in advance, which is very weird. Uh, but also, this was 1996. Enters the battlefield triggers on creatures hadn't been printed yet. Creatures were bad. Creatures were very bad. <laughs> and so it was very weird that they were like, power and toughness is the only thing that matters. Because, I mean, it kind of did, but uh, it also didn't at the same time. And so the... It had this breakdown of the, the things that you had to do, but it also had pick legendary creatures as your, like, general, and then there were, like, warlord creatures that were your support creatures. Wow. And it's a very, very weird format. And so... This, this is feeling to me, like, somewhere between, like, it's, like, magic, but also, like, like a Warhammer, like a minifig yes, kind yeah, of, like, situation. I was just like going to say, it sounded kind of like Warhammer, honestly. Magic trying to be Warhammer. Yeah, right. And you... The commander, it, it, like if you if your commander got killed, you you lost life and your opponent gained li- opponents gained life, and <laughs> like it was you, it, like you were punished for having your best stuff destroyed, and it color locked you like uh, like modern commander does, where it said that your your colors were locked in based on your, okay. on your general. Okay. And but it was it was recognizable, but also like not really at all. It was a, it was a very strange format. Uh, so Adam Staley had what he's sure is parallel, and I believe him. A parallel idea for a 100-card singleton format. And his format said that you, even basic lands were singleton. And so, Adam, Yeah. At the time, it sucked. Like, how many lands existed? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, could you make it? Well, in a, multicol- <laughs> in a multicolored library, you could. But you were playing some pretty bad lands. You were playing the tapped pain lands from Tempest uh, to, to make some of your numbers. Like, it, it was not good. Uh, and monocolor decks really didn't function in any meaningful way you could you couldn't get together you'd, you'd be playing you know 30 lands or whatever i've got to give it up by the way to molly who's making an appearance this episode very interesting commander this cat yeah oh yeah absolutely and so <laughs> we could build her a, a like a raho war of the world yeah cat yeah. commander yeah, deck. Cat commander with eminence yeah what do you think molly would oh, you like she that is, she is roar of the world yep <laughs> So uh, Adam came up with this independent format, and he was in Alaska. And you don't have much to do in Alaska except come up with weird <laughs> magic formats. And Alaska's beautiful. So you go out hiking, and you come home, and you're like, oh, it's going to be night for like six months. Yeah. Uh, so we got to do something. And so they they came up with this, and Sheldon Mennery was stationed in Alaska in 2002. And just like the Duelist that I mentioned a ton of different random formats from the day, uh, Adam came up with a bunch of random formats and they would try them out and they'd rotate every every week was different and they they did it league style because the it, so you picked your commander and they they required you to have one of the five elder dragons as your commanders uh generals in so this Adam's is format. where the elder dragon yes. comes from an elder dragon yeah. highlander and so it was a pot of five and you had a five person league and each person had a, a each person had a dragon and that was it and so sheldon saw it being played but didn't play it in alaska but he, he brought the concept down, and when he was moved down to Virginia, 
because he was in the Air Force, he got restationed down to an Air Force base in Virginia. He brought the idea with him and then formed a playgroup for it down in Virginia. For people who don't know Sheldon, can you yeah. give a brief introduction? So, yeah, let's talk about Sheldon Mennery. Sheldon Mennery it was, at the time, a level five judge, and he was known as the sheriff of the Pro Tour. The Pro Tour was pretty rife with cheaters in the 90s, and in the early 2000s, Sheldon and a handful of other judges really, really worked to clean it up. Sheldon was known as the guy who was very, very effective about enforcing it uh, because he didn't take crap from people. He was a, you know, he was an Air Force officer and there were a handful of other people that were in the, in the same boat and I don't want to minimize them either. There were, there were all sorts of people that were, that were, you know, Gis, uh, Gis Hudzindek and um, Rune Horvick and uh, John Shannon and all these people, all these You had judges. to have a cool name. Yeah. And, well, <laughs> it, 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 judging has always been really international. So like Gis, who, ugh, I'm going to mispronounce Gis's name every time. Uh, like he, the, it, all these people are from around the world at different places. And so you can go through some of Sheldon's early articles and he'll run through like these are the judges at the time. These are the level four and level five judges, um, Mike Donaeus, uh, you know, Mike Guptill. They they did a lot to reform the Pro Tour's image, but then also they wanted to jam magic on their spare time, but they didn't want to play the normal formats. And so Sheldon for uh, for one of the for one world championships for the world championship in 2003 uh, which was at um, San Francisco he he put out a challenge on his article on Star City he was like hey come play commander with me and he put it out on the judges mailing list as well and he put out this challenge come play come play EDH here's my set of rules which look very roughly like modern rules we'll talk about that in a bit Ooh, okay uh, there's a lot of differences between his proto EDH and he said, you have to pick your commander in advance and it, or your general at the time because they were called generals. And so he he ran down this, you know, who's going to come and play. He put together a deck building challenge uh, that a that a buddy of mine actually I just messaged in my discord. I was like, you won this, right? Oh, wow. Because <laughs> Nate Long is still out there and judging. And he won that with his Lord of Tressorhorn deck. And so Sheldon introduced it to to the Pro Tour and World's Judges. And so then he was posting about in his article, he's in his article series where he was like, hey, come play this with me at this event. Hey, come play this with me at this event. You can go back to the mailing list, which I I started judging in 2004. So sh like the year after he started doing this. And so I have a bunch of these original like, hey, what's our plan? What's our schedule to be playing EDH? Like, when are we going to get together? Because they were like, we hope to be able to get together, you know, a pod or two. <laughs> Right. So this would be the first time that anybody was trying to make an event around this format? Barely an event. This was like, hey, after everybody's off shift on Saturday, do Just we all want to get hang together? Out. Yeah, let's get pizza in the hotel they were trying to make. Yeah. They were trying to make a commander pod happen. <laughs> yes, they were trying to make a commander pod happen. A know. commander pod. Yeah. This is the first instance of a commander pod that wasn't the people in Alaska. Yeah, that was, wasn't the people in Alaska that wasn't people that were playing based on the Duelist article and wasn't his original playgroup in Virginia. Okay. And so he would get these judges together, they would do this thing, and so the the format was originally league style, where I mentioned everybody had to call their, their generals. And there's a reason for this. Are you familiar with the historical changes to the legend rule? <laughs> <laughs> Megan and I were playing back when it was the OG legend rule. The o OG legend rule? No, just no, the OG. No. The, we the, were the, in the champions We were one? like We were the one where if you if you had like a legendary creature and your opponent played it, they both just die. Yes. There's an older version. What? Uh, Pre-Champions pre of Kamigawa. Champions of Kamigawa changed the legend rule. Uh, the previous to Champions of Kamigawa, it was even worse than that. The very first legend rule was if I played a legend and you played a legend, the newer one lost. <laughs> what do the you mean lost? <laughs> the, 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 new, the newer one stayed in the battlefield, or the older one stayed in the battlefield, and the newer one died. But so you would just never play it. Yeah, you would just never play your follow-up legend uh, because your wow. opponent had played one first. That is awful. It is, yeah, it is terrible. That's rough. And that was why it was league style because other people weren't allowed to have your general in their decks. Okay, yeah. Because I get also, it. Yeah. I'm just gonna say, like, look. If we're talking about Highlanders, does it really make sense that the older one always wins? I feel like no, there's some doesn't. benefit to being the new Highlander. It doesn't. And they changed it a year after the Pro Tour judges started playing the format. Yeah. Because Champions of Kamigawa came out and changed the legend rule in 2004. And so, like, right away, the format was immediately reshaped by the new legend rule. And so... 
the the it, it was just very weird that this legend rule sucked so bad, and then it immediately <laughs> got changed to one that sucked a little bit less, but still sucked. A, it still, still sucked quite a bit. Like what it meant is that it, it suddenly clones became ways to remove your opponents. Generals. Yeah, right. And that was fine. Um, it meant that. You know, Lin City is banned and Mercaged Masks block constructed for no reason now. It was like if you saw yourself time traveling, it's a paradox and you immediately both get erased from the photo yes. that you're holding on stage playing Johnny yeah. Be Good. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, but that wasn't the original legend rule. And so but the the other thing is that at the beginning of the format, your general started in your deck. Oh, there was no command zone. There was no command zone. Well, at the time, it was the removed from game zone. Okay. It is. It wasn't a, it, like it was a zone without a name. It was things that had been removed from the game went there. And then they used it as a holding space for other random stuff. So would we be able to recognize this first commander pod attempt that yeah. was happening in it, San Diego? Is, where, San Francisco? It was Worlds in San Diego. San Diego. Um, and so the you could. It was 100 card singleton. Okay. You had commander damage. The initial article calls out commander damage happening, even though there are commanders in your library. Weird. And so, like, you have to go find them in order to be able to kill your opponent. Uh, there's rules that your opponents couldn't remove your commander from the game. Uh, so if they would, like, swords to plowshares your commander, it would go to your graveyard. That was the very, very proto version of the the modern, if your commander would die, send it back to ex send it back to the command zone. Rule. Interesting. And so the, it, it was very loosely recognizable. It was vintage legality. Pete Yan showed up with a deck full of moxes. <laughs> uh, his deck was pretty good. <laughs> Turns out moxes are good in the yeah. game of Magic the Other. Yeah, I see. <laughs> yeah, he asked Sheldon. He sent Sheldon an email. Pete Yan did a write-up. Um, he's a Pete Yan's a judge from Madison. Um, he and his wife Ingrid are, are historically well known within the judge community. They're not doing a lot of stuff actively nowadays. But uh, they were some of my first mentors. And so I interacted with them a bunch. I read Pete's articles because he wrote for Star City, and so did Sheldon. And so Pete Young wrote an article where he's like, hey, I showed up to your commander event. You gave a challenge. I picked a, you know, I built a deck and then picked a commander, which is like the first instance of this happening. Wow. <laughs> and so he was like, uh, I went down a list of possible commanders and then decided that this one was the one that that made the most sense. And so he then showed up with a deck that was, you know, Academy and Moxes and a bunch of like, He's like, all right, so I wanted some fast mana, so I added Soul Ring and Mana Vault and Grim Monolith and, you know, <laughs> right Filthy. on the list. Well, you know, somebody's going to do it. Somebody's right. going to do it. Right. For and, magic players for crying out loud. <laughs> well, and then it turns out that, you know, a little while later, they banned a bunch of these cards. <laughs> and it, it, like in part for price and in part for degeneracy because they wanted some amount of the fast mana gone. And so. I want on my tombstone. I wanted to say ban for degeneracy. Ban for degeneracy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good, good reason. Get it out of there. <laughs> and so they they ran these and the so October 2004 changed the rules and they started to get a lot more public about Commander. It started to show up at more things. So this was primarily just a judge kind of situation. Yeah, it was, he specifically said in his original requests, he was like, hey, there's three groups of people. He was like people who are judging the event, people who are part of the coverage team and people who are specifically my readers on Star City Games show up to play. Um, and so he made he he was trying to be reasonably exclusive to make just a, a fun people that he wanted to hang out with post event hangout group. And Sheldon was very, very good at making at making these kind of social groups and making people feel really included and close within the groups. Uh, Sheldon was a master at this. He was he was just incredible at, at making people feel like a cohesive whole. And. So he he built this. He had people show up. He evolved the rules a couple times. And this is before the rules committee. There was no rules committee. It was just Sheldon deciding, you know what? This rule sucked. My new article, I'm going to change the rules. And know, whenever he had a rules change, he'd just write a new article. Yep. Well, and he was writing articles for Star City. Uh, he stopped writing articles for Star City in 2004. Um, he took a break. Uh, that was, I believe he was writing a novel at the time. Mm, wow. And yeah, he so he decided to write something else besides magic articles. And... So this is also about the time where I got into it. I um, I built a – I was playing with a play group in Winota, Minnesota. I was living in La Crosse, driving, you know, an hour to, to play at this store. And we decided to build decks because I knew Pete and Pete talked up the format and the – and I read the articles and I thought it sounded cool. And so we built some decks just to just to have fun. And I even have a an email from me to Sheldon in August of 2005. Wow. Uh, which is – I can I can date exactly how the rules worked at the time, which is your your general started removed from game and you could play them. 
but this is before the rule with commander tax and replaying them. So if they got removed from the game again, you couldn't play them. But his rules were really vague on this. It said you can play them from being removed from game at the start of the game. We read that as you could always play them being removed from the game. So Food Chain, which allows you to uh, remove a creature from the game to get mana equal to its mana value plus one, generated infinite mana immediately if you had it with your oh. your general, is how we read it. And so I sent an email to Sheldon. And I'm like, you need to ban this. It's super degenerate. I don't know how nobody else caught this. And he's like, yeah, you can only do that once, though. I was like, oh. You should fix your rules so they're less, so they're a little more clear. <laughs> well, um, this is a benefit of having a format that uh, judges mainly play. Yeah, and it, note that this was like there were a couple judges in the play group, but it was it was just mostly my local local people in Winota. We had a dozen people. I said in my email wow. that were playing it, and uh, this also like I. It is possible that recasting from the command zone originated from this email. I can't actually sub. Oh like, man, I can't actually say that for sure, <laughs> but. It didn't exist before this email, and at some point after this email, it started to happen, <laughs> and he figured out command right. tax in order to prevent it from being degenerate. He could have actually gotten it from any number of sources. It could, it could have been not just us, but we but might be the origin of multicasting. It could have been. But it could have been. Who's to say? But also, it could have been. Yeah. I went digging through my emails, I was like, I know I emailed Sheldon about this at one point. I was like, oh, well, I did. Huh. Did I invent? Yeah, did I accidentally tax? invent command tax? Like, I, 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 Sheldon actually solved the problem, so I'm not going to claim that. But like, did we invent recasting from the command zone? Oh, that's so cool! Wow. And so, and we have the very man here in yeah, the studio. Yeah, I, I screwed up the rules, and so <laughs> accidentally created recasting from the command zone. Um, in 2006, Sheldon formed the rules committee for for EDH. And prior to that, it was just Sheldon. He announced things in his in his articles, and he would announce things to on the um, on the commander forums, which are three commander forums ago. So they're totally defunct. You can't even get into the threads on the Wayback Machine. Wow! But you could you can see that they exist. You can go to the page and see all the threads, but the threads I can't get into on the Wayback Machine. I went digging through them. Um, the there were a bunch of changes that evolved over time. So the the original original rules had, as mentioned, your Commander, um, your commander started in your deck. Yep. And color identity was very loosely extant early on. You could, the the rule, there was a rule that you could not make mana outside of your commander's colors. Okay. And so if you tried to, it changed into colorless. Sure. But there was no, color identity being a deck restriction only counted costs on, uh, the mana cost of the card. So there, if you had a, a card with an off-color kicker, like you had a blue commander that didn't have red, Jilt is a card that is a blue card with a red kicker. You could play Jilt in your deck, but you couldn't play the red kicker. A any off-color abilities you just couldn't use. Uh, was the very original rule on it. And then uh, Matt Tabak, uh, level three judge, did a lot of things in the Pro Tour, was rules manager, uh, for and still works at Wizards. Uh, Matt came up with color identity as a concept. And then uh, magiccards.info, if you remember this as a searching site. I do. Uh, Magic Cards at Info added color identity as a searchable quality at some point. And that made a lot of difference to finding cards for Commander. It made it much easier. And there was, uh, yeah, the, the additional mana rule. Um, the starting life total at the very beginning was very different. Now it's just set at 40. Back then it was a math problem. You took the number of players in the pod and divided 200 by your number of players. What? <laughs> which, at, which at a five-player pod give you 40 life. That's the correct number to play with. Okay. They wanted the game to be about the same <laughs> scale, no matter how many players were in it. I see. That's interesting. Um, oh, okay. And so, it like, if you played 1v1, I guess you're playing 100 life games. I did it. It wasn't amazing. Yeah, it seems like that would take a long time. Yeah. That, uh, that feels long. But the thing is that that was about the length of a commander game at a, as a five-player game. Oh. Just only two players would be doing it. Sure. So you're like, that seems long. But, yeah, you got more turns over that long time. <laughs> um the there were different evolutions of the commander of where the commander started either in your deck or in room from game and the ability to play him from room from game uh, when you could play him from play your commander from the remove from game zone then uh, the rule was that your opponents couldn't remove it from the game they could try to sort of plowshares it you could choose to send it to the remove from game zone you could okay that it would go there or it would just go to your graveyard. So your your opponents could not interact with your commander. They couldn't permanently remove it by exiling it. What we would call exiling nowadays. You know what the rule was silent on? Tucking. <laughs> so putting it in the library, <laughs> totally A-OK. -okay. Uh, my blue decks all had hinder in them. 
Blue, blue, one counter target spell, put it on the bottom of its owner's library. It was great. It was just mean. Yeah, it was very mean. Um, yeah. Oblation was. Rob, there's a word for that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was mean. Mean. But it's mean. It, it's mean. <laughs> but the problem was that commanders would dominate the game. Because you like you get couldn't rid of them. you couldn't kill it with damage or anything. You either. could kill it normally. Oh, like, you it could. would be a normal creature. But so like you just couldn't uh, take it out of the game with exile. Yeah, you couldn't exile it permanently. I you, see. In order to get it permanently removed, you had to tuck it. Hinder oblation. Those were pretty stable cards. And the problem was that so because they'd be sent to the graveyard, it, it'd be very uh, you needed these because uh, so Kokusho, the Evening Star. Uh, it's a dragon that has, when it dies, it drains each opponent for five. Each opponent loses five, and you gain life equal to the life they lost, which is a humongous life swing in a five-player game. And it's legendary. You played it as commander. went to the graveyard. Yeah. Every game turned into that Kokosho showed up in as either a commander or as part of the, the 100 was just about Kokosho and how many times everybody could reanimate it, clone it, kill it. This sounds like when you played Two-Headed Giant when Grey Merchant of Asphodel yep. was in the format. Yep, it was It was like that, but you would sit down at a pod and you'd say, who's the black player? And then it, you'd say, do you have Coca Show? And they go, yeah. And you go, all right, well, we're, yep. we're preparing for this. And so you'd have to play cards like Hinder and Oblation because you needed the ability to tuck these cards that were degenerate. And everything was much slower. Nowadays, we've got much better mana and much faster mana. So, like... The the format was was much slower, and having a six cost creature take it over was much more, much more true to, or much more likely to happen. There was a banned as commander list, which banned uh, braids and uh, cabal minion, and it banned Rofalos Lanwar emissary. Uh, they wanted you to be able to play them. Um, this eventually got removed, hmm. and it's just either banned or not. Sure. Uh, this was partially because it was complicated and partially as a concession to Magic Online V3. When V3 came out, their commander could not support separate band as commander and band in the deck lists. And so they said, honestly, having these banned separately kind of sucks. Just ban- like just add them to the normal band list. So this is all still happening around 2006, right? Yeah, so the, yeah. So this is hedging up. This is 2006 to 2009. Okay. Um, so the... In 2006 to 2009, it kind of grew organically out in different areas, and Wizards of the Coast kept trying multiplayer stuff. They produced, in 2009, they produced Plane Chase. The original Plane Chase, we've seen Plane Chase planes come back this year, uh, between March of the Machine and uh, between Doctor Who. They both had Plane Chase planes in them, but that was originally a 2009 format. They just sold Plane Chase decks with Plane Chase cards in them, but they were 60-card decks. And uh, I bought the whole Plane Chase set and used it as a box set, basically. And nobody followed the rules for Plane Chase. Plane Chase has rules about building your own planer deck and stuff. We never did. We just had a single common planer deck that shuffled every plane into it. We're just like, whatever. Like, we're, like Wizards of the Coast made all these rules and we don't care. So this is my question, though. Like, you know, Wizards obviously knows this format exists. There's people very close to the business who are yep. playing this quite often. And they're like, oh, multiplayer might be a cool thing, but yeah. we're going to do something totally different. Yeah. And they, they were trying things out because what they had done historically, they printed uh, they printed vanguards as a, as a way to support weird formats. And they printed all these box sets to do things. And product development takes about two years is how it looks like to me from the outside. And so, because there's a lot of moving parts to developing a product. You have to uh, build the decks, commission art, uh, make sure they're balanced-ish. And so they had been trying these and they really wanted to have a summer product every year, Uh, usually a box set. And they'd been doing that since like 2005, 2006. They just had a summer product that was something. It It was either a core set or in alternating years, it was another thing. And then they wanted a consistent summer product in addition to core sets. And so the, in 2009, they did Plane Chase. In 2010, they did Arch Enemy, which is a very fun format that just really hasn't been revisited that much. I thought the Doctor Who decks were going to have some Arch Enemy stuff, but they didn't. Uh, but the the thing was that they they then in 2011 is when they finally did Commander decks. Sure. In 2005 was when the first person in Wizards played Commander. So jumping backwards in time, Scott Larrabee, I uh, got handed Sheldon Mennery's Lord Fressorhorn deck at an event. Sheldon's like, come play some magic with us. Here, play this Lord Fressorhorn deck. And he's like, isn't this guy just a terrible card from Legends that nobody's ever heard of? And Sheldon's like, 
Yes, but follow along. It'll be fun. Wow. <laughs> and so Scott then played a game of Commander, and he was like, this is really good. Scott still works at Wizards nowadays. He does organized play stuff. You've met Scott. Oh, yes. Scott's wonderful. Yes, he's, yeah. uh, he's a big wig around the pro, yep. pro Tour spaces. Yeah, he, he is, he's responsible basically for the Pro Tour as an organized play event. And he's been around for years and years. I've been interacting with Scott since, since forever. I, I have called him up in the middle of the night to wake him up. Echo is in charge of things on Magic Online. So he uh, picked up the red phone is what you're saying? No, it, was, it wasn't a red phone. It was Scott's <laughs> personal phone. Like, I, I don't know why we as, as, as CSRs were given Scott's personal phone, except that if there was a real problem situation, we could call him in the middle of the night. That's right. I called him a total of twice ever. <laughs> and that was, I worked as, a, as an orc, as an online, as one of, the, one of the support people for Magic Online for a few years. And so that's right, kids. Back in the days of Magic Online, there are these things called orcs that you could talk to if you had a problem. Yeah, Magic Online exists right now. No, it's I not know. gone. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but, I, you know, the people at Daybreak are really nice folks. I met them at KubeCon. They're great. No, they're doing <laughs> a great job. They're doing a great job. Okay, I just mean like you know. Yeah, back, people, back when it was the only way. To back in the day when. When all you could play, if you wanted to play online, right. yeah. was the only Magic way. Yeah, the only official the only way to play Magic Online is Magic Online. Yeah. And the I the orcs were great. Like there's there's a bunch of like notable people who have been orcs like in the magic in what magic universe. Sense. Well, the, it's it, back when we were adepts before orcs. And hey, man, I messaged an orc or two in my day. Yeah, there I a lot of notable I touch, orcs. I keep in touch with with all of them. They're all good people. And so the oh, yeah. it, 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 but Scott was involved with stuff at the pro tour way back in the day as well. And he played this and he thought it was cool. And then he got involved on, on the rules committee as well. Uh, the initial rules committee didn't have Scott. He got added a little bit later, but they, they're an independent body from wizards and wizards has made pains to make this the case. Even when they launched commander in 2011, Mark Rosewater's article specifically calls out. He's like, look, we do not manage this format. We're borrowing somebody else's format. But it was called EDH up to that point, and they, they came to, to Sheldon in the Rules Committee, and they said, we have a branding problem. We, we don't think that we can we can trademark this as a product. We don't think we can call it Elder Drager Highlander yeah, Elder, beca because of the movie The Highlander? Probably. They said there's a trademarking problem. We don't <laughs> want to get in any kinds of fights. We just want to – we want to rename the format. Wow. And so they, they didn't give specifics. Nobody's ever given specifics. My guess is that it's Highlander. But That's so funny to me. <laughs> yeah. They, they said, but, oh, it, it, so the, the problem was that if they, like Hasbro as a, as a company tried to trademark Highlander, they're going to get in trouble with other major media companies. It, like, they were like, we don't yeah. even want to touch it. We can just rename this. It's fine, right? Like it doesn't, doesn't hurt to rename it. So they named it Commander. And so if you see people call things. Okay, wait. Okay. Which do you think is more relevant to, to the culture of the world today at this moment, the movie Highlander or Commander? <laughs> That's a tricky question. Wow, I didn't expect it to be so difficult. I know. But now I'm sitting here thinking of it, and I'm like, I love the movie Highlander. Yeah. I love it. It's like one of my favorites. And Princes of the Universe is an incredible, incredible piece. Well, obviously. Yeah. So I would think that more people, if you ask them if they, they would know David Bowie's Princes of the Universe than the Magic Yeah, Format I think Commander. more people know Highlander the film than know Magic Commander, but I, I can't be, I don't know how long that'll be true for. That, that won't be true forever. That is true. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Eventually, Unless they reboot Highlander. The, well, I mean, they've they, tried. <laughs> yeah. They, they, a reboot's coming for everybody. Yeah. A reboot. I I think it was a fake movie trailer poster that said that, you know, Henry Cavill is going to be starring in a new Highlander. Yes, I did see it was that. entirely fake. I did and see I was that. Like, I mean, I would go see it. Um, obviously, it would yeah. be terrible. It would be terrible. It would be very bad. You but. can't do it without the Queen score. <laughs> there has to be, there, the score has to be Queen level yeah. or it's not going to get there for me. And, and who who do you hire? Who Who's as good as Queen nowadays? I'm not going to, like, I could continue asking dumb follow-up questions that are not about this topic. <laughs> But I won't. We, we I'm, I'm restraining myself. <laughs> I, I, listeners, I truly, I want to know who you think would be a queen level soundtrack yeah, in this who, day. Who That's my question. Is yeah. like, yeah, yeah. Who, anyway, who would make it a good enough soundtrack today? for a modern Highlander? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, think about that and let us know, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> so, All right. It, Sorry, so, Drop, yeah, Judge Rob. Please yeah, continue. Back to, back to 2011. <laughs> um, actually, let's rewind a tiny bit in history. Okay. All right. Because the other thing was that Wizards wanted to see. So Wizards didn't want to necessarily throw their weight behind a format if they didn't see how big it was. So in 2008 at Gen Con, we actually held um, an Elder Dragon, an EDH event. Okay. And for the general public. 
And we held another one in 2009. I have the notes of how we ran the 2008 Gen Con tournament because I was there at the event. This so, needs to be in a museum. <laughs> we divided people up into pods of four to six um, that we had untimed single game matches. And uh, from each pod, we advanced two people to the next round. It was elimination, but it was it was eliminate two people from each pod. And then we had rules for like if you killed everybody at the table with a you win the game effect, you advanced automatically. But the game continued because we needed a second place person. <laughs> But if you killed everybody with a combo, you picked in which order you killed people. Oh, that's tough. Um, because uh, because we needed a strict ordering of who came out of the game with you. And so you got to pick who came up into the into the next round with you. Well, this is a competitive event, right? It, it was it, well, it was prized. I wouldn't it was run at regular rules enforcement. We couldn't run it at competitive for various annoying deck check reasons. I just am interested because, you know, Com- Commander is seen as a casual yeah. format for the most part yeah. today. And back then were people playing it more on, along the lines of competitive magic because there is more of that in it, the water. It was all over the place. The 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 quality of decks at the event varied incredibly hugely of people playing People playing, you know, Grim Monolith, Tolarian Academy style combo decks or people playing, you know, Elephant Tribal. And and the Elephant Tribal was a good deck, right? I got to play <laughs> Elephant Graveyard, which is a land that has uh, abilities. All right. I, it wasn't good. Um, the quality of elephants has never been high. <laughs> wow. <Sad>. Wow. <laughs> Ouch. What a claim. To elephants. Do you know elephants Sick think humans are elephants. cute? Did yeah. you know that? Isn't that the most adorable fact ever? That's really that's pretty adorable. Fact. There's a lot of it, it's just like yeah. us thinking otters are cute, though, right? Yeah, exactly. We, uh, an elephant is to a human as a human is to an otter. Is that the? I would be so honored. Yeah, I would love to be an elephant's otter. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. All right, so we're in um, Gen Con. Put me in a yeah, zoo, elephant. <laughs> 2008. In 2008 and 2009, I have emails from Alan Hawkman, the organizer of Pastimes, who still do, is still going strong. Pastimes runs the it runs the Magic tournament area at MagicCons. They've been running Gen Con's Magic area since 2004 uh, when I started. Uh, they've been they were running it, and so they've been they've been at past at Gen Con for 19 or maybe 20 years. I don't remember if they did 2003 as well, uh, but. I have emails from Alan saying, yeah, the EDH area did really, really well. We had tons of people in this wow. area and they were very happy. Uh, and so he didn't give us exact specific numbers, but the, his Gen Con wrap ups for 2008 and 2009 say this particular area did really great. And so we had tons of people playing it and Wizards took that and then their two year product development cycle. And then in 2011 produced the the first commander decks. Wow. And like at that point, it was just a thing that people played pretty consistently in the Midwest, at least. Uh, it's hard to speak necessarily to other areas, but I could always find people to play it at events. Um, I've been bringing EDH decks to events for 19 years. Well, 18 years since I got into it in 2005. And so in 2011, when they made the first Commander product, these are pre-con decks. Yep. Um, did they have new cards in them? Yes. Were they reprints? They were, the, they were the first pre-cons that had new cards. So Magic has been producing pre-con decks... You can you can claim that there were pre-con decks produced for visions, but the first real ones that you could just buy that were reasonable as full decks were in Tempest in 1997. So the initial set of pre-cons were wedges. They were they were the what we in concept arc here the cons. Oh sure, the cons color okay. sets. But the cons didn't exist yet. Cons didn't get released until 2014. There had only prior to that been five wedge commanders, one of each wedge. The the planar chaos uh, dragons. So they made Planar Chaos was the parallel universe set, and there had been allied allied trio. The the shards had gotten dragons in invasion block, and so they made alternate versions of those dragons, the wedge dragons in in Planar Chaos, and they were the only ways to get access to those three colors. If you wanted to play what would someday be known as Jeskai, the only way to do it was to play Numat the Devastator. You had one choice. You had one choice prior to the release of the commander. The commander decks in 20, 2011. Wow, that's like almost unthinkable now yep. with how many legendary creatures. Yeah, there's are. so many legendary creatures. Every color combination has multiple options, tons of options, and they released two new wedge commanders. Uh, basically, every deck except the Jeskai deck had an, a, what 
what looked like a commander that you could just play with largely any deck. They were just fine. And then a commander that was like a build around that had like a build a deck specifically to, to make me better. And I'll be, I'll really make your deck very good. Uh, the Jeskai deck had a build around and an unplayable piece of garbage that nobody could ever play. It was very frustrating. Um, <laughs> I mentioned it. I have a, I have a rant about Ruhan of Fomori. I don't know if you want it. <laughs> I was I was deeply unhappy. I I was very very angry when they printed that deck. Uh, the other ones are all great. Every single other so of the of the um, ten commanders they printed, nine of them, I have no complaints about. They're great. Ruhan of the Fomori, thumbs down. Terrible. Um, I was very angry because I wanted to build a Jeskai deck, but uh, Numat the Devastator has double Stone Rain. When he hits an opponent, you get to pay you get to pay red and two to Stone Rain two lands. Seems good. They don't have to be the lands of the person that you hit. I attack you and I destroy I destroy Megan's lands, uh, which so, meant that I'll take that deal. It, it was, it, so the, the problem is that it goes into the command zone. People look at your commander and go, is this double stone rain every turn on a creature? And you go, yeah. And they go, well, you're the first target. You go, I'm not, I don't even want to cast it. I'm playing it for the colors. And they go, I don't believe you. <laughs> yeah. And then well. because, because when you run out of things to do, you play your commander. And then what do you do with your commander but start double stone raining somebody out of the game? And it, like you can't even protect yourself from it because I attack you and hurt their lands. Yeah. And so I, I'm like, I'm, I'm going to do you six damage, but I'm going to destroy their lands. So this is an okay deal. And so you got to play politics, except the politics consisted of getting killed first. Yes. So it wasn't great. And so I... I was like, I want to build a Jeskai deck. And uh, Zedru the Greathearted is a wonderful builder on Magic Card. I'm very glad Zedru exists. Ruhan of the Formori has <laughs> all drawbacks. <laughs> I've never heard Rob go this hard on a card I, ever. I was, I was angry for three years. <laughs> because they didn't print me another Jeskai commander until they printed Shuya and the Silent Tempest. <sighs> I, like I, I was, <laughs> Rob. Me, that's a long years. time to be mad, Rob. <laughs> Rob, like, yeah, tiring. Yeah, it, it, it was, it was exhausting. Long time. And so, but they printed, they printed these uh, five color combination decks, and then they, they were like, "What does everybody think?" And they sold through repeatedly. Oh, the, interesting. It, it, you could not get them at stores. Um, I pre-ordered my set of five because I've been playing the format. I was able to get them. And then they they just printed them over and over. And they were not equal in uh, in value. Uh, they made one cardinal mistake, which was they didn't understand how to print new cards into precons. Like I said, these are the first precons that printed totally new cards into them. For the previous ones, for Arch Enemy and for, uh, for Plane Chase, they had uh, – they – it, the the stuff that they did was the new plane chase cards and the new the new arch enemy cards. They said, "Well, we need some kind of juice. These commander these commander decks are new. Yeah, like, we but we're not going to like. But they they were like, look, let's just print some cards directly into vintage. Let's try it out. Um, and so they printed these. They printed a bunch of cards and they they printed cards for vintage in these decks because they wanted the, they wanted to have multiple paths to having the cards be valuable. Not just commander playable cards. They weren't sure if commander was going to do anything. Well, yeah, so, I feel like the vintage decks are going to be the valuable ones here. Right, and so, um, so they printed True Name Nemesis, and they printed Flusterstorm, mm. and True Name Nemesis is outrageous. That's a card. It's a real card, and it's that's yeah, that's a lot of card for cards. That's we a card. Say on this that's, show. A, that's a card. Yeah, a lot of that's card. a card. And so they, they, uh, they sold through repeatedly. The cards, the decks never really sold for MSRP. They're like even the worst one is sold for above MSRP, like five bucks above. So wow, this is a great, it's a great sign it was for a them. Humongously good product. Yeah, and they said, "Wow, that's incredible. We want to do this Let's again. Let's do it again." Yep. But you remember how I said they have about a two-year product development. Cycle. Correct. That means they can't do it the next year, right? Because they've got it's going to take them two years to lock and load something. So they canceled whatever the heck else they were going to do for 2012. I'm pretty sure. They're like, get it out of here. Yeah, they printed Commander's Arsenal, and so in 2012 they printed it was basically like a from the vault Commander cards. And so it was all foils and it was a bunch of staples, uh, but it was all like interesting, cool, high-end stuff. So this was like, you would say that Commander was really starting to take off like into the air 2012 or 2013. Yeah. So tw yeah, 2013 is when they printed the second set of precons. And it, 2011 had been a steady high-speed ramp into the format. Stores were running it all over. Like we had been running it in all the local stores that I played at up to that point anyways. Uh, partially, like, what happens is 
one one or two people like the format and they start dragging other people in. They're like, hey, make a commander deck. Right. And then everybody sits down and they, you know, jam magic that they don't care whether they win or lose and they get to make silly plays for a couple hours. And that was that super took off from 2011 to 2013. 2013 had the second set of commander decks and it covered the shards. And so that that was the the allied color trios, Bant and the ones from Shards of Alara. And those were pretty good decks. The real question, though, Rob, uh, any nothing in there that made you mad for three yeah. years? <laughs> well, no, because I already had a ton of shard commanders. Like, I, great, the, the, great. All the, right, so Rob's not mad for three I, years. I mean, I, I mean, would, yeah. like, I had hoped that they had, that they would do the four color stuff right away, but four color is a really tricky problem, and they didn't do those um, for another until 2015. Or no, sorry, yeah. 2016 was the four color decks. I have a question though, because so we're taking off. We're in the air now. Yep. We're flying. We're soaring. Um, do, what impact? Do, <laughs> what impact do you think a show like the Command Zone had on you know people getting into this format, making it blow up and explode? For somebody like Megan and I, you know, as content creators, that's a question I always look to as well. Yeah. So the there were a lot of people kind of starting different commander things at this point. And the the uptake gets much larger once you get to reach a wide audience and you show it being fun. The command zone did a, a huge amount to to show off the format. And I don't think that so that there's always been a strong synergy between uh, between commander and content creation that it originally took off because of articles. And once video content started to blow up because video content took a long while to be accessible in terms of like democratization of it anybody in so many ways yeah, in so in so many ways and so you'd have to buy a rig you'd have to buy get stuff put together but it's so much easier nowadays to get into it but the now and now it's i feel like it's just everywhere on youtube it, you know it, it is game everywhere. nights you know yeah. of course made it famous and then yeah now there's a bunch of different channels there's tons of channels and there you know Elder Dragon hijinks and uh, Olivia's too. You know, Elder Dragon hijinks and Commander at Home, and uh, there's Loading Ready Run does a great series. There's the Command Zone. There's we've done we've done several different types of play, and there that has really democratized it a ton, in terms of like getting out to people what can and can't work and exist. The trade off for that is it's raised the quality of decks for so, multiplayer. Yeah, so was 2011 with the first Commander Precons the first time that they printed cards directly into the format for Commander? Yep. So I know I hear people, you don't hear it as much nowadays because yeah. it just seems like a foregone conclusion, I think. But a lot of people, you know, years ago would be like, I miss the times when we didn't have cards printed just yep. for Commander. We just were doing dealing with what we had. Yeah. And that get, so that that has some pros and cons and trade-offs. Which Wizards of the Coast will always print things for your formats. If you if your format gets popular, Wizards of the Coast wants to try to both monetize it and support you. That's a threat. Yeah, that is a threat. <laughs> that is a threat. That it, it really is. Like they they've been they make decisions about rarity shifts for proper. I'm pretty sure. And so they they pay attention to things like that, and they will pay attention to your format, and that is both both a blessing and a curse. So Wizards has been printing precons ever since 2011. They keep putting them out every yep. year. We've got more and more. It seems like every yeah. year. What that does actually to me, I keep up with stuff, right? I'm oh yes, re I'm reasonably active. I build decks all the time. I go to these events. I I am in the magic one percent in terms of people who are engaged and and uh, able to be engaged. I have all these resources. I don't know all the new commander cards they printed. I find them all the time. I just stumble into them when I'm searching. Yeah. And I'm like, there's a lot. Yeah. I'm like, that's cool. Did you print like 25 new cards into this format that set? And then again, three months later, and then again, three months later that are just specifically for it. There's another set of Miojins they printed in Kamigawa. Like it, it like it, which is both, like I said, blessing and a curse. They're, they're thinking about the format. They're printing cards to it, but then it's, it overwhelms you because you're like, wow, this just obsoletes a whole swath of older cards. How does this make you feel now being somebody who, as you've uh, proven here today, <laughs> has witnessed Commander through almost its entire history? How do you feel the format feels nowadays versus how it felt back in the day? So it feels more structured and tuned. Um, simultaneously, you can almost always find somebody to play lower powered with you. Um, if I say my deck is... Like precon level or beneath, I can like I can find players at the command zone uh, with without any trouble. 
Uh, but at the same time, it, you have to have this conversation. This Sheldon had been pushing that forever, which is what he called the rule zero conversation. What kind of game do you want to play? Which is a thing that like people make fun of, but also is like setting your social expectations when you're getting into a into a social situation. I do this with board games all the time. Every every time I play my board game night on Thursdays, I say, what kind of game do we want to play today? Like, do we want to play a, a worker placement Euro game that is all rules heavy? Or do we want to, you know, play wavelength and try to read each other's minds for the night as a social deduction game? And people aren't used to having that within a magic context or weren't for a long time. Because the when you sat down to play with random people, it was always a constructed format. And so you know you're trying your best to win the game. Yeah. That is the only overriding goal. Everything else is secondary. And the the idea that you might have a totally secondary goal of I want to do something cool and silly or I do want to just try, try hard to win the game, having that discussion determines what kind of game that you're going to play. But that is a difficult conversation to have. Uh, and as a, I feel like we have gotten better as a as a social group about it we like the the command zone we've been using tags that say um that say i want to play a competitive game i want to play a challenging game and we've we have tags that say casual but i think they're changing to say social sure. for the next event um because i want to play a game that's more about the the social interaction that that's a framework for me getting to chat with people than it is necessarily about uh somebody trying to win or lose I'm going to make a commander deck that's like got cards in it. That's like I, you play this creature and everybody at the table has to tell you their favorite childhood memory. <laughs> so you're not only going to make a commander deck, you're going to make cards. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, this is this is like for, I'm making. Yeah, I'm printing the cards, to be fair. And uh, I'm just making it so it's like this is the most social game yeah. possible. <laughs> like and, and, and they, it, it's the same. It's the same discussion that you have because uh the, the point that the rules committee has then and they've always had is they can't they can't legislate a balanced tournament format because that's not their goal. And so their band list is about cards that make games desperately unfun for a bunch of people. And they say, if you want to play a tournament format, that's fine. Go figure it out. And people have successfully made a bunch of spinoff formats. I've got a list of them here and I even missed one, too. Um so, like, Dual Commander is uh, is run out of France. It's very good. It's a 1v1 commander format. CEDH is the same normal band list, but is just, like, has its own meta, meta around stuff. Um, Oathbreaker, uh, so that, that original playgroup that I talked about in Winota, two of the people that were in that playgroup are off as part of the Oathbreaker initial group. They're, like we've all been playing commander for forever. And part of Oathbreaker was we want to get back to some of those roots. And so some of the fast man is banned to make the format a little, a little different like that. Um, Brawl is the, is the wizard's official. There's also an MPGO one V one commander. That's a little weird. It's, it's different than everything else. It doesn't follow the same rules as dual commander. Uh, Popper commander is a thing that people are doing. I think that's very fun. I've got a couple of those decks built and uh, Canadian Highlander takes a lot of similar inspirations from commander, but it makes it into a competitive format. Um, and so people have taken a lot of these core ideas and like remixed them into the into other formats because they're like, look, there's good components of this. We like the high variance, but we also, you know, don't want to have to deal with Soul Ring. So where do you think Commander is going? Where is it headed? What can we expect from this format in the future if you were to prognosticate? If I was to prognosticate on Commander, I think that Wizards had like they haven't actually hit maximum printing to Commander yet, which is very weird to say considering that they basically have printed, so they they printed Lord of the Rings, which was like 75% targeted Commander, I feel. Because they, you know, there's what, five cards that are modern relevant in the set. And, but they aren't actually technically maximum Commander. Um, they, they could probably print about 10 to 25% more Commander cards a year without without being too, without completely destroying the ability for people to even even comprehend the format. I think the format's going to continue to get a bit bigger. Uh, I think that the, that Command Fests, which started in, I think the first Command Fest was 2016. I, I actually didn't look that one up. Uh, but the, the Command Fests have been very successful events and made people very happy. And I think that there's going to continue to be large large commander events um there's cdh events that are being run 
um, all over the place to varying degrees of drama. Well, it wouldn't be a magic event. Yeah, it wouldn't be a magic event without some <laughs> drama somewhere associated with it. Do you think uh, wizards would ever take control of the banning? Or do you think that for whatever reason, I don't really know why they're two separate entities, the Rules Committee and so Wizards of the it, Coast? The Rules Committee has a lot of social clout. They're very connected with the Wizards of the Coast. They're people that are that are community leaders. Um, if Wizards of the Coast takes it internally, they have to spend time and resources to rebuild that set of external resources that they're getting for free. Between the Rules Committee and the Advisory Group, which making the Advisory Group was a, a huge positive step for the Rules Committee because they got a lot of different voices and they got um, – Sheldon mentioned this in his article bringing forward the Advisory Group and also one where he talked about his, his oral history of Commander basically, which is that it gives them the ability to train up a, a future set of people to be the Rules Committee someday because they won't be around forever. Sheldon Sheldon passed this year and it was a it was a huge blow. I was wrecked for like a week. But one thing that Sheldon did very well is make him make other people able to step up and replace him. That when he stepped down as as a le- level 5 judge, there were there was a strong core of judges. He was not irreplaceable in the format or in the in the judge community by that point. Uh, he's not irreplaceable on the rules committee. He built out a future group of people. Not every one of them is going to be a hit. Not everyone's going to be perfect. But that's the whole point is you you take a chance on other people being successful. Some of them are wildly successful. Some of them aren't. If all of them are successful, great. But And you can never predict like who's going to be the very best and the most the the most engaged and the most the most connected to something. That's why Megan and I are have been training up a series of kittens to take over for us for at your Good cat Luck High Five. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Someday Good Luck High Five will just be two cat hosts. Yes. Oh yeah. Yep. I mean that's it'll a, be a good time. That's a good choice. That I mean that's what the internet really wants. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> I I cannot help but agree also. The Magic the Gathering <laughs> podcast hosted by cats. I yeah. believe that that would go yeah. pretty well. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah yeah yeah. Well, gosh, this is a such an interesting story, Rob. Thank you for coming in yeah, and regaling welcome. us. Wow, with the so of much, Commander. Um, what's going to be cool is um, big time announcement here on Good Luck High Five is we are going to actually play some Commander on our channel for the first time. Multiplayer Commander. <laughs> we have never done yeah. that before. We've, we've done we've done Oathbreaker. We've done Oathbreaker, yeah. but we've never done Commander. Um, we've played one v one Commander, but we've never played multiplayer Commander. Yeah. So we're gonna do it, everybody. Um, uh, everyone asks us to yeah. do it all the time, even yeah. though it's a lot of cards for a tiny hand to shuffle. Which you look, know. we will we will say this. For forever, yeah. it's so many cards. So many it cards, is. and it our really hands is. so many cards so to shuffle. Yeah, <laughs> um, our hands are so small. We're gonna be playing some Christmas theme decks, and so Rob is helping us make put this episode together. We're very excited to be playing with you, and we're gonna have that episode come out sometime in December um, yep. to celebrate the end of the year. And they're themed decks, of course, because we love a good theme deck on Good Luck High Five, oh, and we're I so really excited. Know. I have some shenanigans cooked up in some yeah. of these decks. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. <laughs> very excited and very, very happy to have learned more about Commander from somebody who is there through a lot of it. Thank yep. you so much, Judge Rob. Yeah, you're welcome. Well, everybody, that's this episode of Good Luck High Five. Thank you so much for hanging out with us again this week. And a huge thank you to Judge Rob for giving us that breakdown about the history of Commander. What a time. You know, I mean, what a it's just what a what a knowledge symposium. <laughs> that's exactly that's exactly right. A knowledge symposium. I mean, the stuff that the history of magic to me is so endlessly fascinating. How yeah. we arrived to where we are today, and honestly, where we have yet to go in, in the in the near future and the far future. I mean, I can't yeah. even imagine. Um, Maria, people can't even imagine it, Commander. Yeah, it's it's not much younger than you are. Okay. <laughs> Well, that's, or me. Like, magic. It's not that much younger than me. It's like almost that's as true. old as I am. Wow. Pretty cool. So there's next little, episode, you know, we're going to do the, the history of Megan. <laughs> All right. It'll A deep be, dive. It'll be brief. 
<laughs> Everyone, thank you so much for hanging out. Uh, again, if you want to support us, we would love to have you become a member of our Patreon family. Check us out at patreon.com slash glhfmagic. Get an episode dedicated to you or your friend or whomever uh, before the end of the year. And uh, check out Card Kingdom if you've got that last second holiday shopping on the brain. You can go to cardkingdom.com slash glhf to buy whatever you need. And... Um, you know, if you if you don't get what you need, you can always rest assured that if you were good this year, Judge Rob will leave it under your tree. <laughs> <laughs> wow, we've really given him a big task. Well, he has the beard for it. Let's be real. It's true. He really does. He really does. 